Ladies and gentlemen, today on the Locked On Blues podcast, things are going to be a little bit different, so you're hearing from me now, but I recorded a crossover episode with Seth DePaul of Locked On Wild, previewing the upcoming playoff series between the St. Louis Blues and Minnesota Wild. So you're going to be hearing that. We're going to go into that conversation between him and I. We did that separately, and then I'm going to come back, tell you guys about some of our sponsors, and then jump back in um, to the episode with Seth and vice versa. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy. Make sure you set, check out Seth's show at Lockdown Wild. He does great stuff there. Uh, and thank you for making Lockdown Blues your first listen. Without further ado, enjoy the crossover. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, folks, playoff time is here, and we are doing a crossover episode of Locked On Wild. And Locked On Blues to get you ready for the playoff series everyone wants to see throughout the entirety of the NHL. Uh, I, of course, am talking Wild Blues. Seth Topal, host of Locked On Wild, here with Josh Hyman, one of the hosts of Locked On Blues. And we're going to break down every angle that exists for what should be just a fantastic series between these two teams. Josh, we'll start with some of the Blues angles to... uh, to look into in this series, the notes, as it were, mm. uh, for this series. I know, I tried a little bit there. Um, I want to ask you right off the bat, because this has been one of the things I think that I'm most curious about from a wild perspective on the St. Louis Blues. How are you feeling heading into this series about the Blues goalie tandem of Jordan Bennington and Ville Husso? I knew obviously that question is going to come up. It has to. Um, it's it's a good problem to have, you know. Uh, I feel like there there are a lot of times where you got like goalie controversies just because two goalies are playing poorly. Uh, the Blues kind of have the exact opposite, where Billy Huso has kind of come out of not nowhere, but you know, been sort of a journeyman. He's twenty seven, hasn't been consistently in NHL up until this point, uh, and has come in and been at first a tremendous backup. And then when Jordan Bennington started to struggle, he came on as a really, really strong starter. And now all of a sudden over the past, like two weeks, Jordan Bennington has been like, Hey, I, I want you guys to stand the cup. Remember me? Uh, and he's playing really well as well. So it's like, on one hand, it's like, Oh, you know, I would love to have 2019 Jordan Bennington, you know, world beater, uh, ridiculous save percentage, ridiculous goals allowed average. He's our guy. Number one, ride or die through him. But on the other hand, it's like, I Billy Huso will probably start game one more than likely, but Jordan Biddington could start game two or game three or game five or second round. Like it's, it's such a uh, good problem to have in the sense that, you know, the team, the blues in the past have had this problem where they, they play really well in front of one goalie um, and then really poorly in front of another, you know, what, when they, when they used to run like one, a run B with Brian Elliott and Jake Allen, they would always treat one goalie way better than the other. Just, based on like whatever month it was, they haven't played that played like that this season. They've played consistently in front of whatever goaltender has been uh, in between the pipes. So it's, it's, it gives me almost more confidence to know that like if Billy Huso just crumbles under the playoff pressure, because he's never really been there, then you got a guy that won a Stanley cup or vice versa. If Jordan Bainton really doesn't have it, they give him a shot at some point. Well, Billy Huso's had a tremendous year as a starter. So I'm, I'm confident. I, I like that. We have two really good goals heading into the playoffs. One of the big storylines heading into the season was the status of Vlad Tarasenko, who uh, looked like wanted to kind of get out of St. Louis 
just wasn't happy with the situation, but uh, that has flipped considerably. Uh, yeah. Played the entire season. Seems like he has uh, has become a, a an integral part of that team. Uh, just how much of a transformation have we seen from Tarasenko this season to go from a guy who was, it seemed like, on the outside looking in to now being one of the focal points of a very good, very deep Blues team? Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Not not only is he a guy that, you know, had that public trade request over the summer, but uh, he's also a guy that had three sh- shoulder surgeries in the last two years and change. Um, he's a guy that many people, including myself, thought would never return to his former self. You know, the shoulder's a finicky thing in hockey. It's it's hard to get, especially a guy like him that relies so much on his shot and his strength. And it was pretty reasonable to expect that, you know, the 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 prime Tarasenko was was gone because he's he's going to be playing at 80%, whatever. And we hadn't really seen him reach that form since he was having that shoulder trouble. So bet- between the injury and the trade request, I think expectations were very low on Tarasenko uh, at the start of the season. Just, you know, come in, do your, do your player role, uh, do a good job, and, and don't cause locker room drama. Um, and not only has he not done that, he is – already pretty pretty easily surpassed his career high in points um gonna be point per game over an 82 game pace uh, i think he's got he had 82 going into the other game i don't remember what his updated total is now but 30 plus goals uh tons of assists part of what i think has been the best line in hockey over the past few weeks and him robert thomas and pavel buchnevich it has been so such a 180 from everyone's opinion on Vladimir Tarasenko heading into the season was like, oh God, this is going to be a nightmare. Our fans are going to be booing him. He's going to create, you know, drama in the locker room. No, he he came in with a smile on his face, thanking the fans like he always does. And oh yeah, he's also our leading scorer. Uh, one of the big things at the trade deadline, as with the Minnesota Wild, the Blues were obviously active as well, acquiring mm-hmm. Nick Letty. And I remember at the time, and I continue to kick myself for doing this, I just was kind of questioning whether or not it was enough for the Blues uh, at the deadline, you know, to be kind of that over-the-top impact move. It seems like that is when the Blues really took off and Mm -hmm. became just this absolute juggernaut. And so here I am eating my words, but just how big of a boost did that give the team to, uh, to get Letty into the lineup and really just take this team to the next level? Oh. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was eating my words too. Both <laughs> me and my co-host Tommy, we were both because like it was so hard. We've been we've been talking about Jacob Chikorin in every episode for like two months leading up to the trade deadline. Hampus Lindholm, all these big names that we had, you know, gone to bed dreaming about. Like, oh, what's the defensive pairing going to look like with Chikorin? We were we were spoiling ourselves um, to then have that turn into oh, Nick Letty, like. At the time, it was uh, it was underwhelming. It was like, damn, you know, we we really were going after all these big names and just settled for Nick Letty. And also, the return was a little hefty as well. It was like, wow, a second round pick and, and two roster guys for Nick Letty. Uh, not sure if that's gonna be uh, gonna be what we need to push us over the edge. But then the flip side, like the little silver lining, was okay. But he has been playing on the Red Wings. He has been playing third pairing minutes. You know, he was a really good defenseman a year ago. Maybe he can channel that. And then it seemed like it was just the last piece the Blues needed was someone who could just move the puck, break the puck out of their own zone to really complete their defensive scheme. Because the Blues' defense was absolutely their Achilles heel um, for the majority of the season. Uh, And it still is the weakest part of the team. Obviously, it's not nearly as weak as it used to be. But all of a sudden, Nick Letty comes in, and the defense looks like a a six-man unit. You know, it looks like they're all out there playing consistently, playing the right way. Uh, and giving the Blues wins. And then when your offense is scoring six goals a game, 
you know, the defense has a little bit less pressure on them to perform well uh, on top of that. So it's like, yeah, as soon as Nick Lenny came on, it's like switch flipped. This team figured it out and 16 game point streak just got snapped, unfortunately, but like best stretch of hockey of the season, all like you said, surrounding that Nick Letty move. Final one for you. I just want to ask, you've got Tarasenko, Thomas, Buchanevich, Kairou, Barbashev, Shen, Perrone, uh, Ryan O'Reilly just missed it. Brandon Saad had 24 goals. All guys with 20 goals for the Blues this season. Mm-hmm. Which one surprised you the most? Ivan Barbashev. Absolutely. Um, he was a kind of a career, you know, bottom six guy, uh, instrumental part in that cup run from a physicality standpoint, you know, he was always a guy that was going to go out there and, and, um, skate his butt off for the entirety of a shift, bang bodies down low, make the right play in the defensive zone. Never the most like gifted defensive player, but his effort was always there. Uh, and he showed flashes on offense here and there, but never 20, what, 25 goals or whatever the heck he's got this year um came out of nowhere absolutely and it's like it's all the things that made him so successful like that effort that that being that first guy to the puck that he would do in the defensive end all of a sudden he's doing that in the offensive end and and you know throwing great passes out front and and just converting those dirty goals just it's it's an epitome of of what made the blue so successful this year is you got a guy like ivan barbashev scoring 20 plus goals on you you got to worry about him on top of guys like tarasenko and thomas and kairu and O'Reilly and all those guys. It's you're not necessarily going to be circling Ivan Barbashev in the lineup as an offensive threat, but now here he is, 25 goals this season. A lot of names to try to stop, but uh, the Wild are going to attempt to do that, and we'll yeah. we'll talk about it at the end of the the crossover. I don't get the sense that this is going to be a series like the one the Wild had against the Golden Knights last year, where it's really gritty, low scoring hockey. I think both teams will be able to score some goals, and so it's going to come down to which team just scores more. Uh, We'll flip and we'll uh, get to know the Minnesota Wild a little bit as we continue our crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues. The playoff primer continues after this. All right, good stuff from Seth and I there. Uh, A lot of fun talking to him. Before we get into the second segment of this crossover episode, I want to tell you guys about Shady Rays. Now, Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price, polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is the insane protection program that Shady Rays offers. Shady Rays offers um, lost and broken protection on every pair of sunglasses, so they will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Give them a try, and if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. So head to ShadyRays.com, use code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season, 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses, backed by over 150,000 five-star reviews. We'll be right back with the second part of the crossover episode between Seth and I. Continuing our crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues, previewing the opening round playoff series between these two teams. Seth Topal joined by Josh Hyman of Locked on Blues. All right, my turn to get put in the uh, the question Hot chair. Seat. Any questions you got? Any Wild-related questions? Hit me. Yeah. We'll get yeah, them answered. start with the easy one. What's up with Marc-Andre Fleury? <laughs> you know, it's... It's so weird because you look at his overall record and still pretty good, but 
He has been on a string where in three of the last four starts, he's allowed at least four goals. And Mm -hmm. it it seems like it's especially early, like against the Los Angeles Kings, three goals within the first like six minutes of that game. Seattle Kraken, two goals within the first couple of minutes. And it, it just, it seems like teams kind of can, can jump on him before he is ready. That's maybe the biggest difference between him and Cam Talbot is that Talbot is much more even keeled and he just he seems like he doesn't really get bothered by things going on early in the game whereas with Flurry he is a little more you know out of the net he is a little more he just he plays the puck a little more as opposed to Talbot who who stays in net and just kind of lets things develop and so from what I've seen of the goals that Flurry has given up um, some of them have been some not-so-good positioning. He hasn't really been getting a whole lot of favors with the defense in front of him. But I think it just all is culminating to the fact that I think Cam Talbot will be your game one starter. That's at least mm. the way that I would play it if I were the Wilds. Talbot has been the more consistent goalie throughout this stretch. Now, Flurry brings you the ability to steal a game when he's mm-hmm. on his absolute best. And Cam Talbot's record against St. Louis this year, he's given up 10 goals in the last two starts against them. That's a concern for me as well. And if you back it up even to the Winter Classic, six goals allowed there, that's a concern. And so I, I just get the sense that Talbot is the more consistent performer. Flurry has the games where he's really, really good. And he has the games where he struggles. And so if I yeah. if I were to make the pick right now, I think I'd go Talbot, but it's not going to shock me at all. It, it sounds as though they're still not fully yeah. determined as to who's going to be the game one starter. It's not going to shock me if it's flurry, but I think from a consistency standpoint, I would probably lean Talbot. It's interesting that you mentioned the flurry being uncomfortable early because one of the biggest uh, success points for the blues in that 2019 cup run was they consistently scored really early in games, like first shot, second shot. Like I, you know, you'd be just turning on the TV and it'd be one, nothing blues like a minute into the game. So it'd be interesting to see if, uh, if they do go with flurry and the blues can sort of channel that again, because that sounds like a bit of a recipe for, uh, for disaster. Yeah, that's that. That is the one spot or one of the spots that I think kind of concerns me is just you know, and and Flurry has had no shortage of playoff experience, and so some of this too is hard to gauge with the fact that the playoff spot has already been clinched for the last like week plus. So some of it could be that, but it just it seems to me that Talbot is just going to be the guy that's more able to kind of keep you in it early maybe gives up goals a little later in the game. But I, I think the I think the good start is way more important in the playoffs than it is in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially in like these low scoring games, a lot of times like first goal is a lot of times win you a game. Right. You know, or even worse, the second goal, you know, you go up to or you tie it up one one. It those thing those goals are huge for momentum. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a bloodbath. This series, I'm fully <laughs> confident in that. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait. This this is a series that we've known about for a, a long time. These two teams mm-hmm. have basically been locked into these spots, and so you know we've had plenty of opportunities to just dive into every aspect of 
the fact that the Blues have just owned this rivalry over the last couple yeah. of seasons. Yeah, which... I wanted to ask you about that as the, the next question. I don't I don't know what the record is over the last like three seasons, but it's it's crazy. Like it is like almost statistically impossible how poorly the Wild have done against the Blues, or I guess I could say it nicer, how well the Blues have done against the Wild. It is <laughs> it is insane because like I feel like it's never been like, oh, we own the Wild. I feel like every game over the last two seasons has been close. Mm-hmm. Just happens the Blues have got that edge. I mean, look at the game we played a week ago. That overtime insanity, craziness. But somehow the Blues won. I feel like a lot of the games have been like that, even though like the record is is so one sided. I especially lately, I feel like it's been a lot closer than the record would indicate because. Blues and Wild play a very, very similar game, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's that's why Bill Guerin made the moves for Jacob Middleton and Nick Delorier for one, uh, was to try to be able to counter. Now, the Blues obviously have some top-end speed throughout the lineup, but it feels like a team that really tries to get you to kind of play to their style, and then when you mm-hmm. get when you get sucked down into that, that similar play style – is when they just slam the foot on the gas and just like leave you in the dust. And yeah, so I mean, the goal scoring has been un- unbelievable. Yeah, to and, say the least. And so it it feels very much like it, it's it's very similar to what's happened with Nashville this year and the last couple mm-hmm. of years where the Predators they just get you to try to play their style of hockey and when you get swept up into that is when they pounce because you're kind of you're off balance. You're not really used to playing a particular way, and so it's not it's not a wild team that's built to play physical the entire game. Mm-hmm. But by having guys like Nick Delorier and Jacob Middleton and Brandon Duhame, Marcus Foligno, Jordan Greenway, having those guys, you can play through it for stretches to get back to trying to beat teams up and down the ice with those that transition game and uh, trying to get the puck into the hands of Kirill Kaprizov as often as you feasibly can to uh, to try to pick up goals. So it, it feels like a move that Bill Guerin made directly to counter uh, the styles of, say, the Blues, the Predators, and some of the other teams, the Flames, uh, another good example. Uh, and so I feel like the Wild are better suited, and I think we saw that in the last couple of matchups both overtime losses, the Wild are better suited to uh, to play that style than they were, say, for the Winter Classic. Um, right. Where it ended up being, it was 6-1 to one in the second period. Now, obviously a lot of injuries for that game, but I get the sense that the this series will be way more like the last two overtime loss matchups than it yeah. will be earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, I'm expecting this series to go, to go deep. Um like that overtime game could have gone either way. And I think that is a perfect like example of what this series is going to be like. There were, there were like so many different chances. Where, oh, blues are going to win. Nope. Wow. They're going to win. No, the blues are going to win. Oh my God. It's going to overtime. Like it was, there was no point where I was like, I, I feel like you could probably uh, reflect, uh, agree with me on that. Is that like, there was no point where either fan base or either team looked comfortable at that. It really felt like they were kind of, clawing their way to get goals to play defense like, it, it felt like it was very back and forth in terms of momentum there wasn't a stretch where like one team took control it was so back and forth um it's gonna be chaos i can't wait and that was that was the perfect word actually is because even watching it when the blues went up in the most recent game when they went up four to one i remember looking at the tv and i'm like boy this this is not looking good and then 
you the next thing you know, it's four three and mm-hmm. all of a sudden then the wild tie it up. And so I think that is one of the biggest differences for this wild team is that as in previous seasons where it feels like you have to expend a lot of energy to get to three, even four goals. This year, it feels like they can just do it in the blink of an eye. And they have, I I can't even count the number of times that the Wild have come back from a two-goal deficit in rapid succession. And so with... Like the Blues. <laughs> exactly. With, with all those top-end guys, it just feels like a team that is never out of it. And that just, that leads to some of those just crazy moments down the stretch, such as in that, uh, that most recent game where the Wild were down a couple of goals and all of a sudden... Next thing you know, we're heading to OT. That's yeah. That's funny. You could you could take what you just said verbatim, and that would pretty much be what Tommy and I talked about on the last episode of, of Lockdown Blues. It's like, yeah, this is a team that's never out of it. They've erased deficits like that. Um, scored seven goals in a period a few weeks ago. Uh, scored like five goals in a period a few days ago. Like it, it's like you said, it, it's it definitely there have definitely been times in the past where I felt like the Blues have had to work their butts off to get three goals. Now it's like they can do it without even breaking a sweat. Yeah, it's gone from becoming kind of the the exception to the rule to becoming what's expected mm-hmm. on any yep. given night. And so perfect way to describe it. It's it's such an evenly balanced series, I think, that features, you know, elite level, top end scoring, great defensemen, and uh, a couple of teams with some goaltenders that are capable of taking games over completely. So to finish our crossover preview of the opening round between the Wild and the Blues, we'll talk about some of the X factors for both teams. We'll give you names that could impact the series entirely when we finish up our crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues after this. All right, good stuff there between me and Seth. Seth and I, I don't know, I'm not a grammar expert. Um, but yeah, we're having a lot of fun recording with him. Uh, should we get into the third and final segment here shortly? But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about Bet Online. If you guys have a prediction, like Seth and I are about to give our predictions for the Blues and Wild playoff series, but if you guys have a prediction, go put your money where your mouth is at betonline.net because they are your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoff, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And I'll be right back with the end of this crossover episode between Seth Topal and myself. Final segment of our playoff crossover episode of Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues. If you want the intel... Every angle of this series, make sure to follow both Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues. We've got you on lock for every Ooh, bit like of this funny. series. Yeah, little uh, little wordplay. But, Josh, let's talk some of the X factors for this series. Uh, give me one or two players for the Blues who could impact not only a couple of games, but could impact the entirety of the series. I like that. You know what? I'm going to hit you with a little bit of wordplay uh, myself. Tommy and I have this recurring segment that we do before every game. We name our locked-on player of the game. See, Ooh. See, what I, see what I did there. And we actually have one of our one of our listeners has been keeping like a, a, a tally of who wins, like Tommy, Tommy versus me. We are within one point 
of one another <laughs> at the end of the season in terms of our picks. So that's hilarious. Uh, but instead of giving you an X factor, I'm going to give you a couple locked on players of the series. Um, first guy that jumps out to me, Jordan Cairo. Absolutely dynamic through the first 45, 50 games. All-star, fastest skater winner. Looked like he was on pace to be in next franchise player for the St. Louis Blues. And then, I don't know if he's been injured lately or just, just kind of lost step, but he hasn't quite had it. He's still been really good. He's still been putting up points. But in terms of that play that he had at the beginning of the season, we haven't seen that over the last few weeks or so from Jordan Cairo. Um, and as good as Robert Thomas has been, Jordan Cairo is a guy that can create for himself like no other. He is so fast, so skilled, can turn nothing into something like nobody else. Um, and if he's going, he can really be the catalyst for those games where the Blues aren't aren't having offense, where he can just kind of pick a puck up behind his own net. Within three seconds, he's breaking away on the other end, uh, you know, putting the puck by your goalie. So if he can return to form, like I said, I don't know. If he is dealing with an injury, obviously that'll be a little bit harder. But if it is like more of a confidence thing, um, I'd hope the start of a playoffs would be a good reset for him because if Jordan Cairo is playing dynamic and, and like the way that he was when he earned himself an all-star bid, he can be a difference maker in the series, uh, someone who moves the needle just far enough to come away with a victory. Um, but obviously, other than that, the line of Robert Thomas, Vladimir Tarasenko, and Pavel Buchnevich has been, uh, my, per my and Tommy, my co-host assertion, the best line in hockey over the last 20 or so games. They have been unbelievable i think in the month of april it's them at one two and three in terms of leading scorers in the nhl um respectively at least it was a few days ago it might have changed um but they have been unbelievable impossible to stop and in a series that i think is going to be extremely close where every line is going to match up against one another really well if that line can bring the dominance that they've shown in the regular season it's going to be an absolute handful for the wild to deal with. Cause they also got another line with Ryan O'Reilly on it and another line with Jordan Cairo on it. So if, if, if you're going to have your hands full, uh, if you're the Minnesota wild defenseman. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, we'll talk about one particular wild defenseman who is going to be absolutely on. He's going to be on notice or going to have to mm-hmm. be for this series, but I'm going to hit you with a stat and then I'm going to hit you with one of my uh, X factor players, Kirill Kaprizov this year against the Blues has six points in three games, three goals, three assists. And so that would maybe lead you to believe that Kirill Kaprizov is my X factor. But looking back at what happened to the Wild against the Vegas Golden Knights, the Golden Knights shut the Kaprizov line down, shut him down. And the Wild did not have anybody that could provide that secondary scoring punch. And so my X factor player for this series is Kevin Fiala. Oh, he's been so good. He has been on what I have referred to as an leader for pretty much the entirety of the season. And so in a series, and like I said, I don't get the sense that we're going to see a lot of one, nothing two one games. We could see a lot of like four, three type games, But I get the sense that both teams are going to be able to score in this series. And Mm -hmm. so, Kirill will probably get his. But the thing that has made this wild team so dangerous over the last two months of the season has been the fact that they've had the legitimate number two scoring line of Kevin Fiala, Freddie Goudreau, and Matt Boldy Mm. 
to when teams try to throw everything they have at Kirill Kaprizov, that Fiala line steps up and they can take over a game themselves. And so all eyes going to be on Kirill Kaprizov, and rightfully so, but Kevin Fiala, I think, could impact the series because if he gets on one of those runs that he... I mean, he he did it like a week ago where he scored the game-winning goal by doing... He he pulled a move out of Kirill Kaprizov's book, skated around the entire entire team, set himself up in front of the net, and just top-shelfed it to uh, to win the game. He He's capable of anything out there on the ice. And so Kevin Fiala is my X-Factor player. Jonas Brodeen, though, going to need to be the Jonas Brodeen that has shut Connor McDavid down every time they play the Oilers. Because, as you alluded to, so many scoring options for the Blues. The Wild are going to need to try to slow some of them down. And so if Jonas Brodeen can do that, I think that gives the Wild a, uh, a good chance to uh, to win this series, but it's going to be a tough one because I haven't even discussed goaltending power play penalty kill, which I think I've talked about for like nine consecutive shows because of how bad they have been at various points. <laughs> so we're not even gonna we're not even gonna get into the special teams because. The wild special teams we'll are. I'm on another another crossover. That that's a whole other show is trying to get those mm-hmm. figured out. So, those are uh, those are the X factors for both teams. Let's uh, let's hammer out a prediction before we uh, sit back and enjoy the entirety of this series. Josh, what are you thinking? Oh well, okay. A uh, little bit of a. A little bit of a fourth wall break. I know you said you're posting this on Monday, but as of right now, we do not know who is going to have home ice advantage. I think that is going to be the difference maker. I think whatever team wins the series probably will do so on home ice Yep. because the Wild and Blues have both had a lot of success on home ice this season. Um, that being said, as a safe bet, obviously I'm going to pick the Blues. I'm a little biased. I want to say Blues in six, nope. but I could okay. see it go seven. I could totally see it go seven. Again, it really just depends on that home ice. You know, if if Blues get home ice, they win the first two at home or even, God forbid, lose the first two at home, it could be completely different. I think the series is going to go really far. Um, I think that, that, I mean, the Blues in the Wild, when they played and the Blues blew a 4-1 lead, I don't even want to say the Blues blew a 4-1 lead. The Wild just stormed back, Yep. you know, and – Every game is going to have that mentality. They've proven that no lead is safe. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be back and forth the whole series. As a result, I'm expecting it to go six or seven, but got to go with the Blues. That offense unbeatable. You're getting you're getting five on your head every game. I have a molten level take for this series. If you say Wild in four, I'm not no 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 Wild in seven. Oh okay. Five of the games are going to overtime. <laughs> Dude, no. <laughs> you know how bad that would be for my sanity? Yep, I'm right there with you. But I just, I mean, the last two times these teams faced off, both OT games, why not? It oh, just, my God. It just makes sense. It just makes sense that this series would be decided 
by having to play extra hockey. And thank God, no shootout in in the playoffs. But I I think the Blues had like four, five overtime games throughout the entirety of the year that they won the cup. And I remember every single one of those overtimes like vividly mm-hmm. based on my stress levels and and and, and how how much I was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, like shaking back and forth. So if this series goes to five games, I don't know if I'm going to be around to, to do a series <laughs> recap at the end. Yeah. It's been no, the wild have been no shortage to overtime games with uh, 10 overtime wins, five shootout wins. <laughs> so I think, I think they've played a total of 22 overtime games this year. And I just, I get the sense that if the wild are going to win this series, there's going to be a need to just kind of outlast the Blues, mm-hmm. tire them out, and take advantage come overtime. So, Wild in seven, God. five overtime games. No, please no. <laughs> I don't know if I don't, I might even rather Wild in four than that. Ooh. <laughs> well, we'll see. All in all, it's going to be a fantastic series. And so, uh, if you are listening to this, make sure you do yourself a favor Listen all weekend to Locked on Wild and Locked on Blues because we got a lot coming for you to gear up for this series. So make sure you're listening. Make sure your first listen is both shows every day. Make sure you follow and subscribe to both shows to get all the intel as we gear up for the best series coming in the NHL uh, starting up next week. And you can hear new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. For both shows, we'll see you when the playoffs get going. Peace. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed this crossover episode uh, with Locked On Wild. It was a lot of fun. Seth's a great guy. Um, obviously going to be a bitter rivalry throughout the series, but uh, jokes aside, make sure you check him out. Uh, he he does so much good stuff over there at Locked On Wild. Um, definitely check him out. Give him a follow on Twitter. Real funny guy there as well, so make sure you check that out. Um, but stay tuned. You know, we should be doing more crossovers here coming up soon. And then, you know, back to your regularly scheduled programming with Tommy and I doing some episodes as well. Uh, so, yeah, thank you all so much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues.